90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm excited. Me too. I'm so excited that I just cracked a beer. I did too. Uh, <laughs> this is episode 199, which since we are in base zero, as it should be, this is our 200th show. Cheers! Yay. <laughs> um, I started thinking, like, that's a podcast a day for, you know, a lot of a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, um, yeah, we're... 55 percent of a year so yeah see <laughs> a lot of a year <laughs> don't quantify my qualitative sweeping <laughs> remarks <laughs> geologist geophysicist this has oh. been a theme for 200 episodes it's absolutely true <laughs> it was a theme in class today i had a guy get very frustrated and i said it's not an exact science <laughs> <laughs> my ta just looked at me because <laughs> he knew it was my tagline Yep. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, congrats. I'm glad we've made it this far. And we both doubted it. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt everything I do every day from the moment I get up. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think to start off with, what uh, what beer did you crack to celebrate this wondrous occasion? Oh, man. I had a uh, Bristol IPA. So uh, it's the Compass IPA. That's very what, nice. That's what I'm drinking. Yeah, Bristol out of um, from Colorado Springs, right? Yep, Colorado Springs. So your neck of the woods, right there. It was my last yeah. IPA in the fridge. So I'm actually drinking a Wisconsin beer tonight. Oh, okay. Which kind is that? So this is from Horny Goat Brewing, <laughs> and it is their chocolate peanut butter porter. <laughs> oh, that doesn't surprise me. That's what you have. It tastes uh, sort of like a Reese's cup. Mm, that sounds delicious. Um, I almost had my Woot from Stone Porter, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll, we'll review that beer, you know, in episode two hundred. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about what to do here, and we had an idea of maybe we'll get some other folks that podcast to come on, and we'll talk about podcasting and some schedule issues happened as I've been unexpectedly on the road, hence the rebroadcast last week, as I was unexpectedly <laughs> sick on the road unexpectedly. Uh, <laughs> so we weren't quite sure what to do to celebrate number 200, but then you had a great idea. I did. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I did. So um, I thought we'd do a couple of parts and talk about we talked about on our 100th episode, you know, episode 99, um, we talked about sort of why we started and what we liked about science in general, like why we personally got to where we were. And so I thought we'd start talking about why do we podcast? Like, why did we choose to do this medium for this long? And then talk about some of our favorite... Um, our favorite moments from our last 200 episodes. And then in the third half, we'll talk about the future. Right. Nobody knows, so it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> so, Shane, why do we podcast? I mean, 
<laughs> I've been told by students that podcasts are for old people, but I've also been told by lots of students that they listen to podcasts. So I'm unclear on where we stand on the coolness meter, which we'll get to later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we <laughs> um, But I like being a teacher because so many teachers inspired me over my life. And I think podcasting is sort of like one of those largest teaching mediums you can do, right? You know, we could do a TED Talk every week, but we're not that innovative. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> but I think a podcast is a way to do that. And so... Obviously, I wouldn't just do one by myself, and we'll talk about why you and I did one, right? But um, yeah, I think that's why. I'm just excited to teach since so many teachers over my life have inspired me, and I feel like I'm very enthusiastic about science, and so I want to get that to as many people as possible because I want to touch like that single person that's like, eh, science is all right, and I want to be get them and be like, oh, no. They really do like science, and here's why, and let me inspire you to be more than meh about science. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I think the geosciences are often seen as kind of boring. Yeah, mm-hmm. very static and meh. Yeah. I mean, even geologists get make fun get made fun of on the Big Bang Theory, which is a <laughs> show about physicists. So uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah, I mean, geoscience isn't boring. There are so many facets to it. It's not just going out and looking at rocks. In fact, uh, that's the minority of what geoscience <laughs> is nowadays. Yeah. There's geochemistry, there's physics, there's pretty much any discipline of science, technology, engineering, math that you can think of. There's some component of that in a specific geoscience career. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And people don't even know what geologists do most of the time. And so they definitely don't know about all those other little niches that would be right up their alley, you know? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's your number one reason? Uh, the number one reason was I wanted to give back to the podcasting community. Really? Uh, and I have several reasons and they're all pretty similar, but I listened to a lot of podcasts during grad school and I learned a lot, uh, you know, listening to Mac power users. I learned a lot of Mac tricks that helped save me a lot of time in grad school. Um, listening to Embedded.fm and the Amp Hour, I learned a lot about electronics, which has turned out to be a large part of my now side business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, listening to the Orbital Mechanics, I learned so much about spaceflight that I would never have learned otherwise. And we got some pretty awesome friends out of the deal. Yeah, we absolutely did. Uh, um, so just, and well, I mean, back to work. There's a whole list of podcasts. We've done a show on that. Right. Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> that I, I felt like I was getting so much information and so much content from this community uh, for free that I should be putting something out there as well. That's a really cool reason. I don't know if I, I would have phrased it like that, but that's an excellent thing. So how long have, when did you first start listening to podcasts in general? I think I had not listened, well, I had listened to the Car Talk podcast Mm -hmm. since I was an undergrad because I couldn't get good reception of NPR where I lived. Oh, okay. Um, So that was like (laughs) the first podcast. But when I actually got into podcasts Mm -hmm. proper, not radio shows that are packaged up and put out on the internet. Correct. Um. It was probably my second year of grad school. Okay. Yeah. 
So not. And not then I went crazy with them because <laughs> I had a bus ride every morning. <laughs> so I t- well, was at one point subscribed to something like fifty podcasts. Oh uh, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, I totally get you. That's how I started too. Was with the radio shows, NPR shows that I would just miss during the week and wanted to hear. And then was like, oh, there's other like very specific like this is a podcast like Welcome to Night Vale, uh, which is you know crazy through the roof now popular. Um, but back when it first started, you know I found it at like episode five and was like, this is some awesome stuff. And I think that really got me obsessed with it too. And it's it's really it's in fairly it can be fairly low tech, right? I mean you've got a really fancy setup and mine isn't the cheapest on the market, but it's like. You can just dive right into it. I think I would have a harder time with, you know, filmmaking or something like that, like some of my friends do for the geosciences. Um, Yeah, this seems like a a good way to reach a lot of people. It's a really fun medium. I mean, a lot of what we talk about on here doesn't have necessarily a visual component. Correct. And we would be hard-pressed to produce an hour of video content a week. That's a full-time job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, But we sit down in front of the mics. I sync the tracks up. I play them back to make sure that any, you know, coughs or random restroom breaks or anything are cut out (laughs) of the show. Uh, But really, it's a pretty low entry level, like you said, medium. And it's the only medium that we could produce content as regularly as we have uh, for so long in. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, So something you just said, I just wanted to touch on because I think this is kind of important when you think about podcasts in general, is that you said a lot of what we do isn't visual. Okay, well, our voices aren't, but geology certainly is, or geophysics or meteorology. And so what's cool about it is it makes us take these very three-dimensional, spatially, you know, important relationships, and it makes me a better teacher for sure by having to describe them without, you know, having a marker so I can draw it up on the board or just looking at a PowerPoint slide. You know, there have been some shows I think we struggled with, but still got it done. (laughs) Transform vaults, man. (laughs) Take your hands and put them side by side on the table. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, that's definitely made, I know you're not exactly teaching geosciences anymore, but you do a lot of teaching and it's like, this this only makes you better, right? It's like forced practice every week. It's true. And I really feel like it's made me a better public speaker as well. I'm pretty comfortable looking over an outline of some things that I want to talk about and then walking up in front of anywhere between five and a hundred people and just going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. And uh, we we try not to think about how many people listen every week when we record. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was just going to (laughs) say. I mean, this feels like just you and I talking, which is where it all started, right? Yeah. And I think that's a cool thing about podcasts, too, is to you, the listener, it's you and the two of us sitting somewhere having a beer. Right. Exactly. And it's definitely, you know, when I, when I meet folks that have listened to the show for a long time, uh, you know, you're very familiar with us because you've heard us talk to each other for so long, mm-hmm. but we don't know anything about you. It's always a little bit of a funny interaction for the first few minutes. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, so anyway, the uh, yes, how this all 
sort of got going, and I think we've told this before, was you and I used to, you know, be at a bar called McNelly's when they opened the door many days and would have lunch and a beer and talk about science and papers and things that we want to try to do in the lab. So I don't, I don't know if you can hear this, but uh, it's, it's me pouring one out for my homies right here because <laughs> McNally's is no more, man. It is. I, I was able to eat there uh, in September. Yeah. And that was, that was the last time before they closed that I was there. I was, I was really sad. Spent many, 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 many hours <laughs> in the same bar stool. So many so that when you didn't show up once, didn't one of the waitresses call to make sure you were okay? Yeah, so I got uh, walking pneumonia, <laughs> and I didn't show up. I, I showed up every Monday night, and every, I think it was Thursday. Wednesday. I don't, Wednesday was burger night. Monday was Wednesday, yeah, pint yeah. night. Yep. So pint night and burger night. Mm-hmm. I showed up for those two nights. <laughs> I always sat in the same chair. I always got the same burger on burger night. I always got the same meal with my beer on pint night. And so, yeah, I got walking pneumonia and didn't show up, and they called me. Oh, that's that's caring right there. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I will say that uh, I haven't found a place like that, not only that I can sit somewhere, you know, like with you and have a, yeah. a long conversation about geology, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't found anywhere that was that cheers-like for me. <laughs> oh, I know. I really hope something similar will take its place. I don't see how it could, but uh, that's okay. We'll so, keep it yeah, alive. So we'll keep it alive in the podcast. <laughs> that, that was really, yeah, how it all started is when, when I moved to Pennsylvania, we didn't have a chance to do that and would occasionally call. And we've said before, we said, well, we should record this. Yes. And it was also a great way for me to spend time I didn't have while procrastinating in grad school. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like, you know, we kind of got to be pretty good friends and then it was time for you to graduate and I still had several years left. And so it was also a nice forced, like, let's keep in touch, but actually keeping in touch, not like, yeah, let's keep in touch. I'll see you every year at this conference or something, you know? Right. So... That was nice. But another thing that we do on the show, as everyone knows, is our Fun Paper Friday. And that didn't start with the show. You were already doing that on Facebook before we started the podcast. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter. I tried desperately to get hashtag Fun Paper Friday to catch on. (laughs) And uh, occasionally a couple people would do fun papers with me. Mm -hmm. uh, But not, not all that often. Yeah. And so... This is where it lives, and it's amazing. Yes, and I, I know I've met a couple of listeners. Uh, one who had a bunch of the fun papers. He prints out the fun paper every week and keeps it in his bag and reads it during commutes and that kind of thing. Ah, uh, that's so awesome. This is a great way to get people to read literature, to get used to reading literature. Mm-hmm. And also, I think our discussion of that literature shows that these are our best ideas. Just because it's published doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Amen. Um, I've I've incorporated this into my classes. Um, I'll make my classes do a, a literature review just straight up off of Google. We look for strat columns. So these, you know, 
stratigraphic columns are just columns that are representations of rocks in a certain area and it's like the wide variety of stuff that gets published you know they're always really surprised because I don't think people even students don't are they're intimidated by scientific literature and you don't have to be because there's some crazy stuff out there (laughs) yeah I mean when I was early in my undergrad career I definitely thought you know these are the the holy texts yes. of your yes. field. Uh-huh. Th- these are the answers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you realize, no, these are you know two people that have been researching the same thing for 20 years, arguing viciously back and forth about which one of them's right. <laughs> I love a good nerd fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, I, I like the aspect of the fun papers, but also other stuff that we talk about just as a way to keep me up to date much like keeping up to date with scientific literature. Like if you don't read papers, no matter what you quickly get out of that mindset and you can just be like, Oh, I'll get to that later, you know, but just even reading the fun paper once a week sort of keeps me, you know, on the schedule of like, okay, yeah, I need to stay engaged in the literature, whatever it is. Oh yes, definitely. Mm hmm. And in the same thing for doing the podcast, I feel like it, it's added a structure to <laughs> my working life, um, even though I do it at home, <laughs> because like my, my professorial schedule is very amorphous and I'm sort of a very amorphous type person. I need something that I have to show up for. And I don't want that dad look from you when I mess up <laughs> and don't call on time or don't have my stuff read. <laughs> So I can just feel it oozing out of the headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because you said your life is, you know, amorphous and the schedule is always changing. uh, Whereas I melt down in those kind of conditions. (laughs) I need a pretty, pretty structured schedule. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a lot of push and pull from my, you know, freewheeling philosophy. <laughs> and your minute by minute calculations. <laughs> Which I'm like, so on the July 13th show of next year, <laughs> if we can. <laughs> and I'm like, when's July? <laughs> well, yeah. We actually uh-huh. don't plan the shows out that far ahead. We tried for a while. We did try for a while. And what also was funny is that um, this sort of is going to morph into part two, I think, right here. Um, because in the beginning, we definitely both tried to, like, make the show. You know what I mean? We're like, okay, this is our topic for the next X number of weeks or whatever. And, you know, we're both going to get in here and edit this document. And it was, I think we found out that that doesn't work as well as we had hoped it was. And I'm glad we figured out a working way so that we could go on. <laughs> right. And I mean, I think it's, potentially clear to the listeners there are some shows where you know you wrote the notes you're taking the lead on it i'm sort of along for the ride and commentary and then Mm -hmm. we flip that Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it it works really well well i think it works really well (laughs) i do too and it also gives us some flexibility of you know you're going to be somewhere or really busy a week uh dealing with finals so maybe i'll make the notes for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and then i'm going to be doing something so you do right so and we also tried planning out, you know, recording. We're going to have eight shows in the hopper ready to go. So we'll <laughs> we'll do a big batch recording. And, and something always happened. And there would be a, 
event that we wanted to talk about, a large earthquake or a hurricane, something would happen. And we need to insert that in. And then all the show numbers on all the pre-recordings were wrong. And I'd be over here pulling my hair out. So we've generally tried, or we'd get a lot of listener feedback and need to incorporate that. So we've generally tried to do it same week or if we know something's coming up a week ahead. Right. And this is this is a fast and loose side of you, John, that I think you need to let out more. So this is this is for <laughs> your own good <laughs> that we don't plan more than that. I think when you got married, we had like three shows or when I had my daughter, we had like three shows in the hopper or something and that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it just felt weird that we were that far ahead. So you know, and just like you said, Mother Nature usually throws something at us that we want to talk about once we actually plan. So there's no use in planning. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what, what do they say? Uh, plans are useless, but planning is everything. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep telling yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this would be a good place to sort of switch over into what we liked from the last 200 episodes and not maybe not even specific shows or maybe specific shows but what were some of the favorite things that we did in the last 200 shows for you see this is my fast and looseness showing is that we have notes for this show and i have notes about my favorites on this notepad next to me i said you have one incomplete line typed in the google doc (laughs) but i've got it on my notepad in fact i'm gonna go ahead and close that parenthesis so they're balanced (laughs) the programmer can't take it (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so I was thinking about this, and it's funny because it's it actually lines up my first <laughs> my first bullet note on my post-it right here is exactly yours, is the map projection show. Like you said, not specific shows, but I feel like that was one of the first, maybe not the first time. It was, it was our first two-parter, I think, but it was the first time I felt yeah. like, like we were firing on all the cylinders and we did all this research, and it is something I bring up constantly i talk about those map projections all the time i mean i teach mapping so it's really good for that (laughs) but also like i just learned so much on that show (laughs) oh yeah and in that in that vein i really liked the time show what if you calibrated your candles differently yeah Mm -hmm. didn't you read a book and that sparked the fact that we did that so i saw a like one of those mini documentaries, you know, a three or four minute documentary. Oh, okay. Called The Timekeepers, which then inspired me to read a book about atomic clocks and then a uh. book about time standards and transferring time and <laughs> then a book about standards of length. <laughs> and then I did all this research. So I'm going to classify those shows as deep dives because okay. mm-hmm. that show, I, I don't know about the map projection shows. I don't remember as much about how much effort. It was researching those. The time show, which I think was around a 45-minute show, I know I have at least, not including reading the books, probably five hours of research wow. in that show. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the deep dives are fun, but they have to be something where I've got the time to do it, and I get really fascinated with the topic and dig all the way to the bottom of the wiki hole. <laughs> oh, that's so true, which is what makes sometimes makes the daily, you know, shows hard because once you've had one of those really great ones, you know, it kind of, I thought the, the damn show was time for me. So 
I go crazy because of this documentary, and now I've read all these books about rivers, and I'm super obsessed, and, you know, I put together that damn show, and I, it was probably the same thing. You know, it was a good three... I remember I sat down, and I did most of it in one go, and it was like three hours later I looked up, and I didn't even realize, and it's rare for me to get into that kind of flow. <laughs> it's a little river joke there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, those were exceptionally rewarding to do i don't know if people could tell maybe i don't know and i'm curious and we'll get to this more in a little bit too of were those as interesting because let's face it like to talk about the 14 different time standards you have to be marginally (laughs) obsessed and it might have been really not that interesting for a lot of our listeners uh, or map projections, you know, two hours about map projections might not have done it for you. Or maybe it did. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious how folks feel about the deep dives. I don't I don't know, John. I listened to a podcast about a lamppost once. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was a talking lamppost. It, the next podcast was a can of Coke. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's okay. I think people probably appreciate it. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't an hour of a lamppost, but still. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of your other favorite things other than the deep dives? You know, I was real nervous. I always get really nervous about the interviews. Um, But having done so many, especially after our solar system show, those make me so excited. (laughs) And I don't want to call out any in specifically, but like sometimes you and I, you know, we'll plan on a thing and we'll say, hey, let's try to interview this person. And either like their responses to us might seem, you know, kind of terse, like, yeah, I can do this. Okay. And we have no feeling going in for how it's going to be. And usually it is the most fun thing of my week, if not like my month. And I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, we've said before that this is. This is the way we get people that we have no rational excuse to talk to <laughs> or to email them and be like, I would like to talk to you for an hour because I think what you do is fascinating. Exactly. This is how we do that. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like even people that are like real big names that we've asked to do it. I mean, hardly anyone ever ignores us, you know? I mean, a, a few on the space show, we didn't get back. But some people got back to us and was like, hey, I'd still love to help you out or do something. Sorry, I missed, you know, this first set of shows and everything. But like, I mean, some of the great, like, Fran Bagginall, like the Jupiter show, it was just so much fun. And it's just happened so often that we're like, oh, we don't know how this is going to go. And then we're like, that's the best thing we've ever done, you know, because you can't script those really at all. (laughs) And so you seriously are just like, fingers crossed. Let's hit record. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, we have sort of the same set of questions that we start with. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times guests will say, well, what about some of the other more specific? And we have three or four specific questions. But generally, we're so far off the outline by the time we get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And And when it's really good and it's very flowing, like, it doesn't matter at all. Like, it's... I just think that's so cool. And I just 
remember I was so nervous, you know, maybe not the first one because I think we were interviewing um, your <laughs> your office buddy right beside you, right? So somebody you knew yeah. so it wasn't so terrible yeah. <laughs> um, who actually we were going to get back for this show, but he's in Antarctica. <laughs> he is right? still in Antarctica, so yeah. we can't get him back on the show yet to redo that first <laughs> learning interview that we had exactly uh we can never be in the same room with the same people even if we're right next to them yeah it was it was, it was a very big learning experience um but those are just my favorite i just get so excited because you just you don't know and most of the time even if one of us is trepidatious by the end we're like that was so cool so. oh yes and i love the fact that you know so everybody is a normal person, right? We all put our pants on one leg at a time, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All the all those colloquialisms. Yes. <laughs> Nobody records the personality of science. That's true. So like your paper records the professional side of science, but how much richness and history of why something is named the way it is or why it was come up with the way it is is lost because that story has gotten lost through grand and great grand advisees. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's so true. That's so true. It's definitely done away with my intimidation at conferences of going up to anybody and asking them anything. Oh yeah, and I just like to think about, you know, we think of some of the the classic geoscientists, let's say. Um, so Alfred Wegener, right? Mm-hmm. All the pictures you see, he's dressed pretty nice or in field gear or, mm-hmm. you know, at a desk or out in, in Greenland or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all looks very professional. Father of plate tectonics. That's pretty, pretty impressive. W- what was his personality like? Was he one of those kind of out there guys and that's why plate tectonics sprung from his brain? Like, we don't know. Yeah, that's a good call. And so I think it's fun to actually get some of the personality behind the scientist because scientists have fun personalities generally. Yeah, yeah, generally. I mean, maybe kind of nerdy, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> and I think anyone that listens to us that's a student, I I mean, I already just joked at the beginning of this, I'm unsure of myself every second of the day. I... I'm always so reassured by listening to these very prominent, very successful, very famous in some cases that we've interviewed scientists say those same things. Not that I used to be like that or whatever, but they're like, yeah, I'm still afraid to put ideas out into the universe. That still makes me nervous. And just like you said, they're just people. And to break down that barrier sooner in your scientific career rather than later is really good (laughs) oh yeah yeah so uh in in a connecting vein i would say one of my other favorite types of episodes that we haven't done too many are crossover episodes where we cross over with the orbital mechanics or embedded or another show see those make me real nervous (laughs) (laughs) like maybe they'll find out i'm not a true podcaster or something (laughs) (laughs) do we need to do a podcast about podcasting so you feel like you can Yes, exactly. Okay 
Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, these people are really famous podcasters. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. We've always had a ton of fun, if not some of our scariest moments ever. Uh, um, software underground people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. What do you like about them? I think it's fun to get another group's perspective on the same topic and people that are, you know, a lot of times when we have somebody on for an interview for the first few minutes, even though we do some warm up talk, they're a little reserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are other people that are used to talking into the mic for an hour every week. That's true. Yeah. And it's very fun to just get a different, different perspective. And also we've definitely, when we see how another podcast does their sync for their traction, we're like, oh, that's a good idea. And <laughs> we've kind of traded uh, technical tips. Oh, that is true. Yeah, that is very true. Hmm. That, that more pertains to you since I'm the lazy one that just shows up. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like, what I like about the crossover shows too is that we don't really generally do crossover shows with, you know, geologist slash meteorologist so it's always funny to dip your toe into that other realm so to speak you know like we're not we're not orbital mechanics (laughs) like we know some stuff about space but (laughs) yeah so and the great thing about them too is they bring both podcasts new listeners yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is always the best thing. And I mean, that's how that's how people who listen to podcasts find other podcasts, though, is basically through the podcast you're listening to. You know, how many times you've been like, oh, okay, I'll go check that out now. You know, yeah. that's how my every week listening list grows almost exclusively. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, uh, what, what was one of your other favorites? Um, well, <laughs> I had skipped to, um, the fun papers <laughs> and I didn't know how specific you wanted to get, but I mean, I had to talk about, <laughs> I had to talk about the fun paper. <laughs> I, I don't even know what episode it is cause I haven't finished filling out these fun paper episodes. Um, <laughs> I can't even stop laughing about it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so the fun paper where the size <laughs> Thermometer was underneath the kids in the woods that were... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the love waves. Yes. <laughs> I tell so many people about that. And then the one that was just all... It was just a page full of meow or something like that, right? Oh, chicken, chicken, chicken. Chicken, chicken. chicken. Yeah, it was yeah. chicken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one and cats act as a fluid. Like, I bring these things up all the time. And... <laughs> and it's just the whole premise of fun paper it's like the personalities right how do you see the personalities of scientists well through papers like these too you know right and however dumb well except the chicken chicken one (laughs) that one made no sense but (laughs) um there's still always science to be found there and i think that's an important point like science doesn't have to happen with your lab coat on and all your personal protective equipment you know, and to be in the seriousness, the uttermost seriousness state of mind. Like, that's not where science always has to happen. In fact, it's probably rarely where it happens, but oh, it's yeah. also where most non-scientists think it happens, you know? Some of the, some of the large physics experiments can get away with that. Yeah. Uh, but 
there's an alarming amount of zip ties, aluminum foil, and tape <laughs> in most lab setups. I think even in the at the CERN facility, there's probably an alarming amount of zip ties too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> so I think um, that's that's one of the favorite things I like about this show. I mean, those specific ones always stick out, and I talk about them a lot. But also to get that point across to scientists and students that are starting out and non-scientists alike that, yeah, okay, these are funny, but most of them are real too, and there is value there. And so when you hear somebody disparaging somebody's funding on a you know cable news show and said what what are we even learning because this person's getting funded to do this there's always something there to learn you know oh yes and sort of in the similar vein my my last one was conference summaries because i don't get to go to all the conferences Mm -hmm. and you don't get to go to all the conferences but between the two of us when we summarize the cool things that we learned at a conference I feel like we can stay relatively up to date with the field. We can double our conference attendance. Yes, you're correct. (laughs) Um, That's so true because so many times, especially the ones you go to, because they're way better at technology than the ones I go to, um, I listen to a lot of the sci-fi stuff, and I never would have, I never would have paid attention to that. You know what I mean? But I watch a ton of them now because they're all recorded, and I'm like, oh, that's a really cool one, you know. John talked about this on the podcast. I'm going to make sure I watch that during the day. So, yeah, that's absolutely true. And then, so uh, this will uh, bring us into the third half so we don't get too long here, <laughs> uh, which is we want you to help steer the future of the show. The next 200 episodes, uh, we would like some feedback. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll get more than just two people. That will respond to our listener survey. <laughs> we know you're out there. I see the download numbers. <laughs> it's just your mom downloading it 20,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just want to know. I mean, I think we're prepared to keep going how we're going. But also, you know, do you see us moving in a different direction? Would you like more content? Would you like a different type of content? All this stuff lives in the listener survey that John put together. And hopefully people can do that at their leisure and get it back to us. And that would be fantastic. Right. And so a link is in the show notes. I'll also be tweeting it and putting it on Facebook and several things over the next few weeks. Uh, It is completely anonymous. So we do not know who you are. We don't need to. Yeah, not and like not like Survey Monkey Anonymous, where it's not truly anonymous to the person that made it. It's not right. like that. <laughs> and we have several questions, so it might take you five minutes to go through, but these will help us figure out what kind of shows we need to do more of, uh, if you have any suggestions. And when you get to the end, if you do want to provide your mailing address, we'll send you some spiffy stickers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think something that we need to mention for both of our favorites is obviously all of our listeners and especially when we get listener feedback, right? Like I remember how <laughs> how excited, it's usually you because you're the one that checks the email more than I do, but <laughs> how excited that we both get when we hear that we've actually made a difference in someone's life, even if it's as small as, hey, this was really cool that you guys talked about this. I just wanted to let you know to hey, I think I can go back to school for this. 
thanks for, you know, steering me in this direction, right? And yes, absolutely. We've had the spectrum and it, even the notes there were somebody drops notes says, Hey, I didn't really have any feedback, but just wanted to say thanks. That's always nice. Yeah, it's super nice. And so I think that definitely keeps us going. So if you're ever like, mm, I don't have anything to say, that's fine. Just email us. It's great. John will read it and tell me to read it. And <laughs> and and I really enjoy, this is one of the questions in the survey. All the questions in the survey are optional, by the way. So if any of them, you're like, I don't want to answer that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but one of the uh, one of the questions is just tell us something random about yourself because <laughs> you know lots of random things about us and we'd like to get a better idea of who's listening and you know we know that we've got people from all walks of life listening uh we had somebody weld up a cowbell uh, tim and <laughs> send it to shannon yes, yes. Um, so we, we know we've got lots of fascinating people out there and you're one of them if you're hearing this exactly so w- we would love to learn a little bit about you we sure would. That cowbell gets so much attention, Tim. I leave it right on my desk, and people are like, what is this? It's a cowbell. What do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> and we've also talked about, and there are some questions in the survey, about, you know, would you be interested in seeing some some more of, like, video-style content on YouTube or on Patreon? Or would do you want some Patreon content? Or... Mm-hmm. Maybe when Shannon's in the field, she does some live streaming and you sort of get to go on the field trip with her. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Glad somebody's looking out for us. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be fantastic. We could easily do that. Um, so, yeah, so we just want to make it better for you. You know, I think we're still going strong. We super enjoy doing this and... Whether we expand out into other stuff, whether you don't want that, and we just keep trucking, I think we're totally open to anything, but we got to hear from you to know. Yes. And though, as Shan said, we do enjoy this, there are some Thursday nights where at <laughs> nine o'clock, it's like, oh, I still need to go listen <laughs> to an hour of myself and Shannon talking. <laughs> and you know how people hate to hear their own voice recorded? <laughs> I get to listen to it for an hour a week. <laughs> Thank you for your sacrifice, John. <laughs> and of I course. also get to listen to every show twice, once when we record it and once when I edit it. That is true. But you listen to it in high speed, so it's amusing at least the second time. <laughs> D- depends on the show. Some of them I do, some of them I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we-, we will at some point broadcast a an edit speed version so that all of you have the speed cranked up to two. We'll just hear an ultrasonic dog whistle. <laughs> It'll modulate with my laughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you call me a psychotic chipmunk or something like that at one and a half speed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh uh, yeah. We can't forget that very, you know, close to the first episode where it said you had to buffer my laugh. It was blowing out speakers. <laughs> Yeah, somebody sent us a message and said, I love this show, but you have to do something about the levels. <laughs> Oops. Um, and also that time that I got recognized at a conference from somebody that was in a one row over, couldn't see anyone, heard me laugh and yelled over the top of the posters, Shannon? <laughs> someone I'd never met and recognized my laugh from the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been some good times these last 200 episodes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so many good times. I mean, you might even say we're cool, huh? 
Yes, and that brings us into the 200th Fun Paper Friday. Yay! <laughs> so this is Coolness, an Empirical Investigation. <laughs> oh, man, it's like the most nerdy science paper you could ever write. <laughs> Trying to quantify cool. <laughs> So the first sentence of the abstract summarizes this in very clinical language. Some people are routinely described as cool, but it is unknown whether this descriptor conveys trait-like information beyond mere likability or popularity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I don't know any of these authors, um, Elon, Dar, Nimrod at all, but I will say, <laughs> yeah, this is... This is amazingly nerdy, and I love it so much. <laughs> so the goal of the authors is to determine what makes someone cool and is what makes them cool purely, uh, you know, they're, they're physically attractive or they're socially outgoing. Are, are they genetic traits? Are they personality traits or modifiable traits? And are there different classes of cool? <laughs> Oh, this is great. This whole intro and backstory, it amazes me how much research has been done on this. Were you shocked by this? Well, I mean, okay, you're a scientist. You want to be cool. What is your approach? <laughs> I'm going to math this out. Yeah. <laughs> you, you must first know what cool is. Oh, my gosh. I mean, qualitative accounts for coolness. And then there's one, two, three, four. There's like seven citations. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is great. Um, they also go into sort of the colloquial, um, the um, etymology of the word cool, which is interesting to me. Um, <laughs> and talking about how, you know, in society, it probably came, or it's attributed to come from sort of the jazz era, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> But cool cats, where, man. Yeah, see, exactly. That's kind of awesome. Um, and But they want to look at cool, just like I said, they kind of want to quantify coolness. Um, and sort of they wind up breaking it down into terms of what's cool. Are they personality traits? Um, are they sort of these societal, socially desirable traits? Is it an attitude what makes people cool? And they kind of did three little studies to determine this, to kind of approach it from all angles, right? Right. And before we get to the studies, I want to talk about, because this will help make the studies make a little more sense when you know what the end result of them classifying cool was. Mm. So there's cachet coolness <laughs> and the second orthogonal type of coolness, contrarian coolness. Orthogonal coolness. <laughs> I love it. So cachet coolness is what we would normally think of as cool or suave or whatever word you want to use. And contrarian coolness is, you know, the rebel. <laughs> the emotionally controlled re rebel. <laughs> I love <Right>. that. <laughs> yeah. The I don't care versus, you know, just the normal like, oh, okay. He's right. an active, status-promoting, socially desirable cool cat. <laughs> Right. So are you are you one of the 
regular cool people, the cachet cool people, or are you one of those people that you know fights the man? That's right. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I thought this was kind of interesting, uh, just from a, you know, we talk about people being like a a goody two shoes or a bad boy or whatever, and it's like right. these are sort of the same classes of cool. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this is hilarious to me. <gasps> So in the first study, they wanted to sort of generate um, without any prompting, like, what is cool? Basically, just asking what is cool, right? Unprompted understanding um, of what it is to be cool. And they wound up taking, um, uh, what was it? It was a pretty big sample size, 300 and something people, 353 uh, people and they distilled all their adjectives through this very elaborate uh, framework of people distilled these adjectives into categories right so there's a category of friendly adjectives like social or popular um, <laughs> my favorite was personal competence <laughs> which was like smart or talented right Some and there's of- also hedonist the <laughs> fun partier Yes, <laughs> hedonist. That's that's definitely cachet cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so they have got all these sort of different categories for the ones that weren't just one-off, like zealous. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and the way that they actually asked these people to do it is they had a billboard <laughs> at a university <laughs> that said, awesome. log on to this website and tell us what's cool. <laughs> and once you logged on, you were asked to generate five to eight adjectives that you associate with being cool. I thought that was a brilliant, that's, that's pretty impressive. They got that many people. Obviously, there was a gift card involved, as there usually is. I mean, undergraduates. Yeah. Exactly. Has to, has what are to you be talking some... about? I do that now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to limit this to undergrads. <laughs> so what about study two? Um, so study two... Um, t- <laughs> Took a more from a qualitative perspective, it says the concept of coolness and social desirability actually overlapped um, considerably in study one, and so they wanted to quantify that overlap for these demarcations of coolness, right? So maybe they themselves can capture these once they've quantified them. <laughs> so they gathered people about 155 students, yeah, uh, from intro psych courses, and gave them a questionnaire where they had 90 <laughs> characteristics and they were asked to write, the, write them between one, which is very uncool, and seven, <laughs> which is very cool. <laughs> that's all our, that's all our questionnaire is too. <laughs> very uncool, very cool. <laughs> it's true. I need to go back and rework the questions to be all yeah. in terms of, uh, of cool. <laughs> so is this uh, the, the guy from Revenge of the Nerds or Fonzie? Oh, there you go. Nobody knows who Fonzie is anymore, John. <laughs> We're getting older. Yeah, it's not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they also did a questionnaire of social desirability, right? They took the subsample, actually, of participants from sample one, rated those same set of characteristics on how socially desirable they consider them to be. Very socially desirable one, seven, very socially or very socially undesirable one, very socially desirable seven. So to do this sort of coolness versus social desirability questionnaire. And as you would imagine, to be cool, you need to be socially desirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's kind or of... very socially desirable to a 
anti-establishment sector. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say there's kind of like two sides to this coin. I will say that IDON, they did a lot of, um, there's a lot of statistics in here that are factor analysis stuff that I'm not, uh, I'm not really that sure about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll just move on to study three. <laughs> And this one has to be my favorite because, man, you had to be brave to do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They said, hey, tell us some people that know you really well, and we're going to go give them a questionnaire about what makes you cool or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love this because 410 people took part in this one. <laughs> and they, they did anonymize the data, so they couldn't point to this person and say, well, they're not cool because they play clarinet. <laughs> But everybody already knew that. <laughs> what are you trying Sorry. to say? I played saxophone. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so what did we learn from this study? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> God, I love it so much. Well, I did find it interesting that, you know, most people rated their friends as cool. That's not surprising. Right. There's definitely some sample bias there. But maybe yeah. you get a wide variety of what cool means then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this sort of overlapped a lot of what we already knew from it's, the first two studies. The the factor loading, so these numbers associated with these um, specific attributes in the one where in study three are definitely less than the other studies, though. So... These people, whoever they have in mind, where they like, yes, this the rebel's super cool, does not compare to their friends clearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> because and some of the characterizations like more cool than desirable, less cool than desirable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> they've measured cool, right? Concretely rather than abstractly. By first defining, then having people rank sort of those definitions in a way, and then applying them to actual real-world people. Absolutely. So if you're wondering if you're cool or not, <laughs> you might need to read this paper. But since you're listening to our show, I'm pretty sure you are. Yep, exactly. You might be contrary, contrarian cool. You think we're a, a rebel podcast? That's fine. Or maybe it's we're true. just, you know, hedonist. <laughs> or maybe we're cachet cool. Exactly. Who knows? You got to read it to find out. <laughs> you do. And uh, you can tell us what you think you are or we are. <laughs> if not cool is an option. Uh, by sending us feedback. Right. So, Shannon, how can folks get a hold of us? Uh, keep it coming. Um 200 more episodes. Let's get some more email in there. Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. I am at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. Um, we're on the Slack channel. We're on the Software Underground. We're the Don't Panic channel over there. And you can support us and our efforts as we move past episode 200 at Patreon. We're patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo. And until next week, remember, don't forget to take the survey and <laughs> <laughs> don't panic. It's not an exact science. What?
Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.